Well, welcome to Gardening Talk back for a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you. And always good to see you as well. Looking rather well from the weekend. Yes, I'm feeling quite uh, chipper and windburnt. And you went to the did a bit of skiing, didn't you? I did do a little bit of skiing. It was hard work, mate. Hard, hard work. Is it really? Yes, it is. Oh. You just slide down a mountain. Well, How... we, yesterday it was blue skies, zero degrees, but I was in a t-shirt and long sleeve shirt. That's all I was wearing. Surely not. No, that's all I was wearing. That's how hard it is. That's <laughs> Fair enough, Scott. Well, what have you got for us today? I thought we'd talk about jasmine polyanthem. It's coming out in flower at the moment as uh, time warms up. African violets, a uh, nice little indoor plant. And if you've got scale or mite on your marae, because there's some ugly ones around at the moment, we'll have a chat about that as well. Now, Scott, last week we gave away a... Tickets to the Maitland Garden Ramble, and we've got a few more this week. Yeah, we've got a couple more to give away this week, uh, and the Maitland Garden Ramble is on the 16th and 17th of September, so coming up really just in a few weeks' time yeah, now. coming yeah. up quick, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, this year is just going to rush away. Someone was talking about Christmas presents already to me the other day. Oh, that's... that's- I don't want to think about that yet. No. <laughs> That's getting too carried away. It certainly is. So, yeah, uh, Maitland Garden Ramble, and we're going to give away uh, two free tickets to uh, a caller today if you ring up and ask us a question. Right, yeah. So, and the Garden Ramble, you just it's just basically a, a tour around the gardens of Maitland. Yeah, so there's eight really beautiful gardens that people have no doubt been working on for months and months and months now to get them ready for September and the prime time to go and have a look at a garden as well as we burst into spring. And uh, you, you take yourself around. Uh, there is a shuttle bus that runs around as well, but you have to get tickets for that. And you have to get in early. You can't just get them on the day. You have to pre-book that uh, through the Maitland uh, Visitor Centre. Okay, no worries. Uh, we've got to Lynn now from a Cameron Park, and she's got a couple of questions in regards to potting mix. How can we help you, Lynn? Oh, good afternoon, Scott, and to your listeners. Um, look, last year I bought some potting mix, and I um, potted some hanging plants, flowers, and whatever. But this year, when I went to pull them out, I found the thick, white, curly grubs in every one of them that I'd put the potting mix in. So my question is, they weren't in there when I put the potting mix in the pot, and how, why, are they, why are they there now? But, like, um, is that the only way you get rid of them, just by emptying your pot and squashing them? Uh, no. Uh, what no. are they called? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're called uh, chafer grubs, and they're actually the pupa of the, uh, you know, the Christmas beetle that we see flying around later on in the year. Oh, right. Yeah, so now, look, it's not the potting mix's fault. What's happened is those little uh, Christmas beetles at some point of time have, have come and laid their eggs there, and uh, they then hatch it, and they go, fantastic root system of a plant to eat, because that's what they love eating. Yeah. And they just get themselves nice and, and big and fat in there. Um, they do. Yeah, so look, the, the, it depends how big the pot is, I guess. If it's only a small pot, then yes, look, discard it and start again. But if it's quite a large pot, and you don't want to have to you know, refill with all of that potting mix, uh, you can just get a... Uh, a chemical uh, like a carbaryl uh, or some other dipel is another grub killer you could use and you right. mix that up as a drench and in a watering can and you just soak it down through the soil until you see it running out and that should get rid of them for you and that wouldn't hurt the existing roots of a plant if the plant within the pot or? No, ab- absolutely not. Uh, look, oh, and they're, they're naturally occurring everywhere. They're in the garden as well. I know, you, you yes. Just, you just don't notice that they're doing as much damage in the garden because, you know, they can spread out over a wider area. Uh, you yeah, know, the, I know that. <laughs> yeah, the, the root systems of plants disperse over a wider area, but in a pot, everything's contained, really reliant on that, you know, that root system that's there for moisture yeah. and for, for, and for uh, food for the plant. And when there's something in there chomp, chomp, chomping away, uh, then, you know, obviously that plant's going to suffer quite badly. Mm, mm. OK, 
Okay, well, thank you so much. Not a problem. So, yes, look, if you've only got small pots, I'd just discard it and start again. Easiest yes. way. But uh, if they're larger pots, uh, use some sort of chemical that's going to get rid of grubs. I think oh. you can use Confidor as well and uh, just drench that down through the soil. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. okay, bye for now. Thank you, Lynn. Not a big fan of the old chafing grubs. No, no. I usually find just towel gets rid of them, though. I was going to say, uh, we're waiting for a, chaf- a chafing. <laughs> I'm not a cyclist, so I wouldn't know anything about that. Neither well, do I. I'm just assuming, because I'm... Just a, Okay. And we've got Gail from Talara, and she's got a question about orange trees. Hey, Gail, how can we help you with your orange tree? Hello. Um, we've got an orange tree, and it doesn't hold its flowers, and then if we do get oranges on it, it won't hold the oranges. Okay. Uh, so is that a plant in a pot or in the ground? In the ground. Okay. Now, orange trees are really, really heavy feeders and, uh, you know, well, all citrus are very heavy feeders. And uh, once they get their bud on them, they will drop their bud, you know, very readily if they dry out or if we get winds. Uh, so you just have to make sure that once that bud starts to set on your orange tree that it is being really, really well watered. The other thing to do is to feed the plant as well. So, uh, you know, three to four times a year with poultry manure is fantastic for citrus trees. And you can also give it some of that, uh, you know, that pelletised citrus manure, uh, citrus uh, fertiliser that you see uh, in, in, the, in the garden centres. Uh, you can give it a couple of handfuls of that as well. That gives it an all-round feed. Now, if you've got problems with your, uh, you know, leaves... Uh, with the uh, flowers falling off and the fruit falling off, it could be a, a you know sulphate of potash deficiency in the soil. So I'd get some of that as well, and start using yeah. that, start using that regularly. You know, every three to four weeks you can use that and start to build it up in the soil. Uh, so, okay, thank you. Last year it was really bad. It's badly affected with uh, the stinky bugs. Oh, yes, and so they'll, they, they're actually sucking the sap out of all the nice tender new shoots on the uh, plant, so you can get rid of those. Uh, you can use Confidor. Uh, you can use vacuum cleaner as well. I've heard that, uh, heard that oh. and it works, it works an absolute treat. just sucks them straight up, and they're gone. Uh, so, yeah. look, you can do that because they'll certainly uh, debilitate the plant. Uh, but look, the main thing is to get your watering up to scratch when uh, you know, you've got the bud on there. Uh, start some fer- regular fertilising and use some sulphate of potash. Okay, thank you. Excellent. Thanks very much, Gail. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Gail. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. 4921 is the number to call if you'd like to speak to Scott Sharp. Now, Scott, we're coming to the end of winter, and we've got to start prepping for spring, really, don't we? Yes, I've, I've been driving around, even driving over here today, and I have saw some... You know, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? We're sort of almost at spring and you think, yep. oh, things are going to start looking better. But as you drive, I'm driving here thinking, just the gardens are looking a little bit rude at the moment. You know, everything's oh, okay. just a little bit untidy. You know, everything's tired. It just, you know, right at the end of winter and you, and you can see the gardens just wanting to get going. Uh, so it is time to get out there and give it a, a good old tidy up. One of the uh, issues I saw out there, and it's actually over in Carrington, no, in front of the uh, bakehouse over there, lovely pies and stuff like that. Uh, you can get the, they've got a Mariah hedge out the front of, of there and they've just given it a prune but it's an unhappy hedge at the moment because it's got uh, a scale and mite all over it so they really need to spray that it just looks yellow uh, you know it's all sort of you know deformed in its leaves and even though it's going to spring back now once we get into the warmer weather it's still going to you know carry over that sickness because those little bugs are still happily uh, you know there in the plant they're just going yep. to get onto the fresh new growth and go ha ha thank you very much Carrington Bakehouse exactly they'll be excited about a new feed they 
certainly will be. Uh, so they need to get out there and give that a bit of a spray. And so if you notice your Moraes doing that in your garden as well, you know, if you've given them a prune, but you're sort of looking at them going, oh, geez, they look a bit tired, they're yellow, there's little spots all over them, some deformity in the leaves. Uh, it might be worth grabbing a few of those leaves, taking it down to your local garden centre and getting them just to have a closer look at it uh, because they may have uh, mite or scale on there. Oh, all right. So get that checked out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, gardenias as well, looking a little bit tired as well at the moment. Uh, you know, they're yellowing off. So, uh, you know, about time to give them some uh, cow manure and also some uh, iron chalates as well because they'll be budding up as we get into the warmer weather. So they're really going to start sucking the iron out of the soil. They're going to be, uh, um, it's not going to be up in the Pilbara. You know, um, um, Lang Hancock, he's going to be, it's going to be, they're going to need all the iron they can, they can take out of the soil. So make sure you're putting some of that back in for them and some cow manure as well. Very good. And we've got Margaret from the garden suburb and she's got mould on her blueberries. Aptly named place to call a gardening program. How can we help you, Margaret? Yes, I've got... It's like a black sooty stuff all over the blueberries and also on my gardenias. Yeah, so it sounds like you've got sooty mould. It's, you know, we like to keep our name simple in the gardening world, so it does sound like you've got sooty mould. <laughs> But the thing with sooty mould is it comes hand in hand with another problem, and that's usually scale. Uh, because the scale insects are on your plants and they excrete a residue and the ants come up from the soil uh, to feed off that residue. And what they do is they bring those mould spores up from the ground and it starts to populate your plant. So yeah, Ah, there we go. So you've got scale as well. So you're going to have a fairly unhappy plant very soon. So what you need to do, it's a two-pronged attack. Uh, it's a little bit like um, Hannibal coming into the Roman Empire and overtaking. You have to come in, you know, from around from both sides and try and get these things. So you need to get the scale on one hand and then the sooty mould the next time. So what you're going to do is you get a product called anti-scale. And right. that actually gets rid of the scale. So you use that one day. And then you come around the flank the next day and you use a product called copper oxychloride. Now, that's a fungicide and that will get rid of the sooty mold for you. So one day you use the anti-scale, next day you use the copper oxychloride, and then you repeat the whole thing again in about a week or so's time because it won't get rid of it all exactly, you know, in that first hit. So... Make sure when you're using the anti-scale that you're being really liberal with it, uh, just you know, until it's running down up in underneath the leaves and everywhere because those little scale insects are hiding away up in under there. And, and then again with the copper oxychloride the next day all over. It'll leave sort of like a blue coating over there. That's nothing to worry about. And you'll find after a little while that black sooty mould will just start to sort of peel off and you can just flick it off. It'll dry off. You can just sort of flick it off with your fingernail if you want to. Yeah, it's the blueberries in a pot and it's a beautiful bush. And it's covered in flowers, mm. but um, and the uh, the gardenias, um, I've got twelve of them, and it's on about eight of the twelve. Yeah, so you have to be careful that that scale will spread. Uh, you know, it's a, they're just little windborne insects, so it's not your fault oh. at all. So you have to be careful. Do the all of them, even the ones that you think aren't affected. Okay, then I'll do that. Okay, well, thanks very much for that, Margaret. Okay, then bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Always get a bit of a history lesson with you as well. You put gardening into some, some classic, some classic battles from history, and oh yeah, I, I try to. I try to make it. Uh, yeah, all right. Let's see. Try and worm Wellington in or something at some stage. I'll or... try and do that. Or Napoleon Bonaparte. We'll see if we can get him in somewhere. And we've got Pat from Sunshine, and he needs advice about agapanthers. Hey, Pat, how can we help you? Hi, Greg. Uh, Scott, how are you? Hi, Greg. Too. Um, I've planted some agapanthers, and when I was giving them, um, they said not to worry about watering them too much. 
How often should I water agapanthus? Yeah, look, so they are a fairly drought-tolerant plant, but that said, if they're only new plants, you really do need to water them. It's not as if, you know, they're going to exist on pure air. Oh, they've been in for about 12 months, I suppose. okay. So, look, generally they can look after themselves, but, you know, we're just, Greg and I were just talking about how dry it actually has been over the last few months, and we just had a little bit of rain, uh, you know, overnight. So it is important when you get these dry westerly winds and, you know, low humidity to actually give your plants, even agapanthus, a really good water. Okay, okay, all right. I just didn't want to do the wrong thing and have them die on me or something, yeah. Yeah, look, they, they, they are a plant you could overwater, uh, especially if they're not in well-drained conditions. Uh, right. And if you had a watering system, you know, that was sort of chugging away every day uh, on them, you know, you could overwater them then and you find they just uh-huh. wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, handle the water and soak it up and use it and you know, they'd just start to rot away on you. But look, oh, they, gen- okay. yeah, they generally are a very drought-tolerant plant. They'll survive very, very hot conditions. And, They'll uh, survive at my place then. <laughs> excellent. But look, don't... <laughs> Don't, don't sort of cast them to the wind. Uh, give them a, a water every now and again just to make sure that they're going to be well. All right. Thanks very much. Not a problem. Thank you. Bye-bye. Just Pat was nice. She was nice. Yeah, and remember, every caller today goes in. Into the draw to win a double... Is it a double pass? Yeah, yeah. Two tickets, two up, tickets. up to the Maitland Garden Ramble on uh, 16 and 17. We'll split the hairs there. Double pass, two tickets. Oh, either either, really, yeah. isn't it? Potato, potato. <laughs> we'll do that. Actually, well, I was just thinking then, with everything being a bit dry... Do a lot of people just seem to forget in winter about watering more? Because you obviously water more in summer. Yeah, I, I think people do. And it's because, uh, you know, the humidity is low and it's still quite cool. So you think to yourself, oh, you know, it's the plants are okay. You know, it's not blazing yep. hot out there. Uh, so, yeah, it is very easy to lose a plant in winter. Uh, just because, And the other thing is, if you, even if you do get some rain... Uh, and, you know, you've got them in under the eaves or something like that. Uh, you know, the rain's coming from the south and the plants won't get watered in there. So it really is important, uh, even though it is cold, to go out and give your plants a water. Even if it's just once a week, yep. you know, it's going to get them through and survive. Because, yes, they have slowed down their transpiration rate, uh, you know, as, as it cools off. Uh, and it's also important to, uh, to water your deciduous trees as well, especially at this time of year when they're just starting to burst their little buds out because the sap is starting to flow in them. So even though they look like a bare stick, there's actually stuff going on inside. Okay, right. Yeah. So just keep watering if it still looks dead, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, once a week or so, it's not going to hurt anything. It's going to keep everything alive, uh, you know, even though it is cooler. Now, Scott, at the top of the hour, you mentioned a little bit about jasmine polyanthus. Yes, driving. See, driving around, I see lots of things. I see lots of different gardens out there, and I just noticed that the jasmine is starting to spring forth as the uh, warmer weather comes along. You wouldn't think it today, but uh, it has been warmer, and it's that trigger for the plants to start to uh, to sprout on. And jasmine polyanthem is a fantastic, very quick growing climber. Yep. Uh, if you need to hide an old fence or an old shed or something like that in the backyard, uh, you just get your jasmine out, plant it, and. Uh, I'll guarantee in a couple of months, uh, you know, you'll, it'll be halfway up the wall or halfway along the fence. And then when you get to this time of year, you get this beautiful white flower. It sort of starts out as a little pink bud. Yep. And then it breaks out to the white flower with just a slight sort of pink tinge down through the throat of it. Uh, it's actually uh, native to uh, China and Burma. Uh, again, like I said, a very, very quick growing plant with lots and lots of flowers on it at this time of year. Now, the thing that people really like, apart from the fact that it grows very quickly, is the beautiful fragrance that it gets. It's, you know, quite a heady fragrance that, that comes from the plant. It sort of it takes over the whole garden. So if you have got hay fever... Uh, 
not, not the best idea. Yeah, think twice about uh, you know planting jasmine polyanthus. Or wear a mask when you go outside. Yeah, something like that, or some smelling salts or something like that. I don't know <laughs> if that actually fixes it up for you. Just carry that under your, under your nose. Uh, but uh, if you really need to cover something that's ugly, it's a quick, cheap way of doing it. Uh, you know, the old broken down fence or something like that, or not even an old broken down car in the backyard. I yep. guess if you wanted to cover that and make it, you know, or cover the side of your house or something. Or... Uh, absolutely. Uh, and it, the great thing about jasmine is that it doesn't get hard and woody. So, so many other plants like wisteria, uh, bougainvillea, you know, even to some extent, uh, you know, tri, uh, uh, you know, uh, the white jasmine that we get, yep. uh, it can get hard and woody. But jasmine polyanthem doesn't. It always stays nice and soft and supple and green. So a fantastic plant. You can prune it back very, very easily. So it almost sounds too easy. It does. That is the downside to it, I guess, is that it grows so quickly that if you neglect it, it can keep on taking over. So it's like that uh, paint ad, you know, where the guy sort of stands there and everything grows around him watching, yep. his, uh, watching his house, not weather. Uh, Jasmine can do the same thing. If you were to stand near it for too long, uh, it could just grow up all around you as well. Because So it is very quick growing, and that is it's probably its downside apart from the, uh, the smell that it gets. And next thing you know, your whole house is covered in Jasmine. Yes, it'd be a very nice statement for the suburb, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> be a real mess to try and get rid of, and you wouldn't have much light in the windows. Everyone would know where you live, though. You, and the cat wouldn't be able to get out. Yeah, we're going to oh, where's Scott live up? The Jasmine house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you RFM. We've got Ian from Bottles Bay, and he's got a question about avocados. How can we help you, Ian? Uh, just a quick question, but I rang you a couple of years ago about growing one. Well, I've got it to shoot. I've got it in a pot. It's about two metres tall. It's just growing a straight stick. Good. Do, so, I, do, do I need to snip the top out of it so it grows some limbs or uh, just leave it grow? No, look, if you want to, you can actually give it a prune and that'll spread it out. So wherever you prune it, you'll start to get, yep. you know, different growth points coming out from there. Um, look, mate, alternatively, you can stick it in the in the garden as well. If you've got some space, you'll definitely get a better plant if you do that. Yep, yep, no problem. Yeah, I was just about to go into a bigger pot um, where you haven't done it. exactly know where to put it yet, but... Um being its own height, but it just has, it has no limbs at the moment at all. Yeah, so give it a, a little prune, and you'll find at this time of year, as we're starting to get into the growth season, it'll you know you'll get a few branches coming out from that, and you'll get a better shape plant. Beautiful, thank you. Okay, you have a good afternoon, Ian. You do, bye bye. Thanks, bye. And we've got Ian from Wollombi, and he's got a question about peppercorns. Yes, um, hello, Scott. Um, Scott, a peppercorn tree, and it's still like a. A lot hard or something like a, a fungus on it, like a, it's like a, a Santa Claus, a beer sort of growing off it, and it's killing the limb. Where uh, I'm coming from? Yes. It- now, that can be a, a parasite that's actually growing in the plant. Uh, I'd have to make some further investigations about how to actually get rid of that. Gum trees get it quite badly as well. And I guess up at Wallenby that, uh, you know, you've probably got a few gums around there as well. So it could have been spreading around the area. It's not something we see necessarily, you know, down here, uh, you know, in the city. But I can make some quick investigations and uh, we'll talk about that later on for you, Ian. No trouble. Yeah, well, um, on, on the bark, it's um, like a, a greeny sort of, not say a moss, but it's a, a thing growing on it. And also it grows little shoots off, off, off that. And I must suck the sap out of the, out of the a branch and the branch dies. Yeah, okay. And how old's the plant you've got? Oh, it'll be um, 15 years old, 20 years old. Okay, so so the plants, is, are you getting cracked bark as well on that plant as well at the moment? No, I'm not, no. Okay. Look, I'll make some investigations about it and we'll talk about it later on for you, Ian.
Okay, thanks very much. Have a good day. Okay, thanks very much for that. Cheers. Okay, bye. So a bit of detective work for you. I this might weekend. have to do some detective work about that. Yeah, those uh, some of those parasitic plants. Uh, I'm not really sure how to get rid of them, but uh, I think they might be quite difficult to get rid of. It's not like you can just sort of give them a spray or, or something like that yep. and uh, and get rid of them. Gum trees are very prevalent with them. You see them. Uh, it's like a mistletoe almost that comes down. Uh, from the plant and that's oh, why I'm yep. thinking that it might have just spread uh, you know being up there in Wollombi from a nearby gum tree onto the man's uh, peppercorn hmm. right yeah so we'll find out about it for him and we've got Rex from a North Lambton and he needs safety advice about using a bin dye in pets hey Rex how can we help you yeah Scott yeah look uh, just wondering about the safety standoff periods for bin dye I've sprayed the grass out in the back normally I try to do it about four days before rain's expected mm-hmm. but hasn't eventuated, but there's nothing on the packet for say the safe period to let the cat back out to eat his grass. Yeah, look, what my rule of thumb uh, when you're using those sort of chemicals, they're usually just salt-based chemicals, you know, bin dye, so they're not going to do a great deal of harm to your pet. Uh, it would just, you know, the only thing, if it was still wet, you know, they might get a burning sensation on their on their paws. I usually yeah. recommend people that they keep them, uh, you know, off the grass for five hours or so, essentially until it dries. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So once it's dry, yeah. then it's safe to let your animal back outside over that grass. Oh, so keep him in 24 hours, he's safe then? Oh, uh, yeah, look, that, that's that's far too long. And I guess it depends, you know, what the day is like. You know, a day like today, if you sprayed this morning, uh, you know, you have to probably keep your animal inside almost till, uh, you know, later on this afternoon that it dries off. But on a hotter day, you know, obviously you yeah. can let them out much earlier. Okay, that's great. Thanks okay. for that. Not a problem. Good luck with okay, the Okay, then. Righto. Bye. Okay, cheers, bye-bye. Cheers, Rex. So we've got Lillian from Williamtown, and she's got a mysterious green shrub growing in her front garden. Aha, uh-huh. the plant detectives are here to help you, Lillian. <laughs> Hello, Scott. Uh, I've, I've got the flu, so I'm a bit croaky. That's um, okay. We, we, we can understand you just perfectly. I've got this tree or shrub growing in my garden. Uh, it was here when I bought the house. I live in a village. Yes. And it's got one... The, you know, the base of the stalk comes straight up and then it has all these other little ones out, but at the top of each little branch is just a cluster of leaves and now it has green flowers coming out of that cluster. Oh, dear, you've got me there. <laughs> uh, I, did, I, I did put it on Facebook when I come in here and I'm sure somebody said it's a South African plant, but I can't find it to find out what it is. Oh, now, this sounds fan. You sound like you are tech-savvy. <laughs> Not that, really. Well, if, if, you, really. If, if you can get onto Facebook, I reckon you could send us a picture of that plant on our to our email address, which, which, which is gardening. I, I will. Hang yeah. on. I'll get a piece of paper. You have gardening? Gardening at 2NURFM.com. Gardening at 2NURFM.com. That's fantastic. Is it 2NURFM.com? Yep. Yeah, 2NURFM.com. So now that's fantastic. So look, any anyone else that's listening, if you have any problems or you need anything identified, uh, you can just flick us a picture, you know, just take it on your phone and email it off to us. Uh, yes, I uh, will, uh, because the bees love us. Oh, well, that's great. So it looks like, and Lillian is so tech savvy. I'm so impressed. I'm <laughs> and I've got some, sorry, I've got some little ones growing in my garden. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, the ladies are saying, well, put them in a pot, you might be able to sell them. I don't know what they are to sell. So. Yeah, so you, and so look, and obviously if it's a weed of some sort as well, you don't want it no, to be no, spreading no. its around. It's a tree. Yeah. 
it's a tree. Okay. Well, look, if you can get that off to us, uh, I'll certainly send you a reply and we'll uh, tell you what it is. Okay. Thank you very much, Scott. Okay. Thank you, Lillian. Thank Have you. a nice afternoon. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Sounds like Lillian could go snap-happy in a yard. I bet she's uh, she's got an Apple uh, iPhone there or something like that. Oh, I'm sure there's maybe another phone she might have. Other phones are available. <laughs> yes, that's true. There are other phones as well. I was just using as, that as a generic term for... And, and also a terrible joke. Yes. I've just realised. <laughs> Sorry, I think my train's just come and picked that up for me. We've got Sandra now from near Lambton, and she's got a question about a camellia tree. How can we help you, Sandra? Oh, hi, Scott. Look, it's a very old tree. It's at least 60 years old. Always flowers well, and the birds just love it. But um, it's starting at the, during the summers that uh, the leaves get really um, sort of as if they've got a scale on them or something, and they drop off. And now we've got a lot of dead, dead twigs mm. sort of in it. And I just wondered, should I try and treat it with something before summer and then chop back all the dead twigs and stuff? Yes, you should. So with camellias, they can get a tea mite on them and they can also get a very, very fine scale insect. And so if you grab one of those leaves that are starting to yellow off, uh, you'll, yes. you'll probably find that there's all tiny little sort of uh, ridges, little insects actually living there. They've formed a little shell over themselves. I think that's what it is, yeah. yes. So you do, do need to spray with that. Uh, you can get a product called anti-scale. Uh, you can also mix it oh, up yes. yourself if you want to. Uh, or if you're worried about uh, you know using insecticides, you can use eco-oil. Uh, which will just sort of choke out the scale. But the main thing when you've got that uh, particular scale on your camellias is that you mist up in underneath the leaves as well because they're up in under there and it's very difficult to spray that. So you have to be quite liberal uh, with whatever spray you're using to try and get rid of that. And, you know, it just once isn't going to do the job for you. Uh, you'll have to do it a couple of times to make sure you get it under control. Okay. Oh, well, thanks very much. That's not a problem. Good luck with it, Sandra. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay. okay. Thank Bye. You. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Sandra. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 RFM. We've got Daryl from Cardiff, and he's got a question about Mini, I want to say Mariah. The Mini Mariah, very good. That's, I'm pretty proud of that. It's a Mini Mariah <laughs> hedge. And I'm proud of you too. How can we help you, Daryl? <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've got a Mini Mariah hedge, and it, it gets um, a dieback just just, a little, just about the size of your hand. doesn't mm-hmm. get any bigger than that. Um, and then... It'll it'll slowly come back over the next couple of months. I can't see any insects on it or anything. Um, it, it it does look like it's been burnt in some fashion. Okay, so if you can't see any scale insects or anything there sort of sucking the sap out of that particular plant, the only thing I could suggest is that you use a fungicide uh, because... Uh, Boxes, a Japanese box can get a canker on them, and I'm just wondering if uh, you know mini moraes, a little bit touchy that they are, might yeah. be, might be getting the same thing. And look, using a fungicide is not going to be harmful to the plant in any way. So you're sort of having a bit of a you know bed each way, just to make sure that it, you know that you're going to be covering everything there. Uh, okay. I, so I'd use either Mancozeb Plus or copper oxychloride, spray yeah. the entire plant, and uh, see how that goes. Okay. Terrific. Okay. Excellent. Good luck with it. Darryl. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks very much, Daryl. We've got time for one more call. Yeah, we'll give it a crack, and uh, we've got to talk about the mistletoe. I've made some investigations. Very good. We've got Carol from Belmont, and she needs suggestions about what shrubs to plant. Yes, I've just taken out a lily-pilly hedge right along the back of um, the garden, and I need a couple of small shrubs to hide this fence, but it's in a very, very shaded spot. And how, how tall do you want the uh, the plants to get? Oh, 
not too tall. Um, I just wondered, uh, yes, only oh, about a metre, metre and a half. Okay, so in in the shade, you could uh, plant uh, you could plant azaleas if you wanted to. Uh, there's varieties, uh, you know, like Alba Magnifica, uh, which will get up to uh, you know a meter or so. They're never going to get out of control on you. Uh, right. Yeah, so you can certainly use those. There's also dwarf camellias you can use as well if you want to. And if there's other un more unusual plants like Ardisia, which uh, gets a little red berry on it, which is quite an attractive plant. All right. Yeah. Um... A fuchsia. Do fuchsias grow in the shade, or do they need? No, absolutely. Sun? Yeah, now fuchsias are a good suggestion as well. They will grow in the shade, and you can get them certainly getting up to a meter, and they're a, a very attractive plant with lots of flowers on them. Oh, fine. Okay. Oh, that's that's good. Okay. I've taken the. I've scribbled those down as uh, you've gone along. That that's all right. So yeah, I, I mentioned azaleas, camellias, azalea, dwarf camellias, yeah. and ardisia yeah. as well, which is an unusual looking plant, which could look quite nice for you. Okay, and a fuchsia is available at the moment? Uh, yes, they should be available at the moment. All right, then. Thank you very okay. much for your help. Okay, good luck with it, Carol. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Carol. Before we go, Scott, just quickly, mistletoe. Yes, apparently if you kiss under the mistletoe, you have to. Uh, stuff happens, but uh, look, I don't think that's exactly think that's the mistletoe what, we're that's talking. What creepy about. uncles do, don't they? I <laughs> think yeah, that could be. That's, that's what happens at Christmas. Uh, look, different sort of mistletoe. Uh, I'm thinking with uh, the one that we were talking uh, about, the one up at Wallenby. Uh, they're, they're very prevalent in gum trees, and unfortunately, mistletoe is a plant. It's a parasitic plant. That's what I thought it might have been, and it actually gets its roots down into the bark of the existing tree very very difficult to get rid of because it's actually sucking it's you know using the tree as its host it's actually sucking all the nutrients straight out of the branches of the tree so the only way to really get uh, I guess would be to uh, get up there and, and spray it if you can uh, with some sort of glyphosate that's going to be very difficult to do uh, or to actually get up and try and, and chop it out as well because you'll probably find that it goes back to you know a main leader branch in there that's the only uh, thing I can find out about trying to get rid of it uh, because usually they're just uh, you know it's a natural forming thing uh, out in the uh, out in the eucalypt forests uh, you know if it starts to get too big it just takes over the plant so I think uh, that he'll just have to get up there and try and get rid of it any way he can. Rightio we have to cut you off there Scott because we're out of time for another week. A very suitable metaphor. Before we do go <laughs> um, we've got a double pass for or two tickets to give away to the Maitland Garden Ramble and Going to give it to Pat's from Sunshine. Excellent. It was my choice last week, your choice this week. So. I think so. That sounds very nice. So just Pat has to contact you at Sharp City Gardener. Yes, and uh, we'll uh, give it the tickets, the, the double pass. No worries, Scott. I'm going to have to say goodbye. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.